Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we look at the stories, situations, and conversations that lead up to the sermons preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. And this is Pastor Perry. And today we're working on Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 28 through 44. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any question. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how can he be his son? And the large crowd was listening to him with delight. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearances say long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. So a couple thoughts going into this. Uh, this this scribe is interesting that he comes to Jesus because he's kind of Jesus has been in the temple now and continues to be here in Mark chapter twelve and contending with the scribes and the Pharisees and even the Sadducees have come to question him all as seeming opponents or those who Jesus is pointing out the errors of their ways. But this scribe uh, sees that Jesus is answering well and so brings an important question to him. Um, of the 614 or so laws in um, the the Old Testament, Jesus, which ones are the most important or what's the most important thing? And I think that's in the time and, and place and situation we find ourselves today uh, as we face a lot of things coming through the news and uh, closures and considerations, what, what of our future and how do we think about that? It's Somewhat, I think, a question all, all of our minds as well. What's the most important thing? Or as our minds are getting uh, scrambled, shall I say, with all the things going on around us, how do we focus ourselves? Or what's the most important thing? Uh, still a question we're asking today. And so to consider um, the answer that comes from Jesus, and again, I'll, I'll summarize it shortly here. Love God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor. And so to think about how that, that, that answer from Jesus shapes the way that we 
think about how we continue to get bombarded with all different kinds of news around us. Uh, how does that shape our, our thinking and our actions? Love God, love your neighbor. It is interesting that Jesus does say to him, well, actually, that the scribe says to Jesus, you are right. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Which most of the time, it seems that the scribes and the Pharisees aren't agreeing with Jesus. How should we kill him now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to uh, to continue to uh, pick at him, basically, and try to try to get a fight with him. The, the ending of that passage, too. So after the scribe says to him, you are right, when Jesus saw that he, the scribe, answered wisely, he says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And so some of the question there becomes how much further or what's what's to close the gap or how to change that distance there too. And uh, while there's a foundational thing of what Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor, um, the, the not far piece is now where Christ's love comes into the picture. Christ's love comes to you is poured out on you. You know, you've heard the commandment, love God, love your neighbor. And uh, we, that's our calling in life where we're called to try and do that in all our considerations and actions to love God and love our neighbor. Um, and then to also, you know, at the end of the day, to realize in one way or another, we've fallen short in our love of God, or uh, we haven't gone as far, done as much perhaps as we possibly could for our neighbor. Um, but to know that that kingdom comes to you. This goes clear back to the beginning of Mark's gospel. The kingdom of God has come near, that Jesus comes to you, that Jesus lavishly, or I don't know another word for it, uh, pours out his uh, unending, unconditional love uh, to you, on you, wants to give this to you. And that's the sort of thing that sets us free to be able to um, do our best or go go about our best in these other things. Uh, we we love God. Go, go to First John here. Um, maybe you remember exactly how it goes better than I do, but we love because he first loved us. You know, that's yeah. what encourages us to carry out these commandments, uh, to love God and love the neighbor. Yeah, the that idea of, you know, why he's not far from the kingdom of God uh, and I don't think there ever is a place where Jesus says, yes, you're in the kingdom of God. You made it. Right. It's yeah. always, you know, the kingdom of God is near. You are not far. Uh, it is close. And and so, yeah, that question is, is what what is that extra little bit that trips you over the edge? And like you said, that that is maybe belief in Christ. Well, it's yeah, it's going to be him coming to you. In some sense, it it fits in the it's sort of a little cue in the story of Mark's gospel too. You're not far. Well, we're almost to the end of Mark's gospel. We're almost to uh, the crucifixion scene here, and about this being Christ coming to you. It's it's almost here. We're almost to the point where Christ will have sure. entirely poured himself out for you um, and come to you. The kingdom will be here in uh, his death and, and resurrection that follows. And that that also, again, shapes the way that we think about things when uh, we consider here's the one who comes to us and, and overcomes death. You know, that's a, a freeing way to face 
Uh, Luther always would talk about it in this way, that Christ has overcome sin, death, and the devil, uh, that he's overcome all these things for you and to then free you to look at your life. I, I don't have to be overly focused or concerned about sin, death, and the things that devil or evil, if you want to look at it that way, brings into this world. That's not going to shape how I live, but instead this one who has conquered these things um, shapes me and remakes me. That really ties in well with uh, the song that goes with the, the sermon song this weekend, which I forget what the title of it is, but something about um, seasons of the life and how God works through seasons of life to shape and change and bring new life uh, from the places that look dead. This really plays out nicely in the story that comes after it, too, with the scribes and then the widow's offering and the comparison that Jesus is making there. The the widow um, gives not out of her abundance but out of her poverty, gives everything she had to live on. And being able to do something like that is founded on a faith that there's going to be a hope for tomorrow, that what I need for tomorrow will be taken care of. You know, it's out of a fear that I may not have everything that I need for tomorrow, so I better hold back some for today. Or um, this, in some sense, comes up as you, you look at the shopping situation and go to the local store shelves and find in some places that one particular item or another is completely bought out, and that's out of this fear that the thing I need may not be there for tomorrow, so I'm going to buy it all up um, all the while not realizing that it's only the wealthy that can stockpile. You know, the, those who are, are um, what do I want to say, less well-off financially mm-hmm. aren't able to, to buy for days ahead at a right. time and are forced into the situation where they have to trust that God's going to give what's needed for tomorrow. <laughs> Right, we have to trust that the high V truck is going to show up and, <laughs> and fill the shelves again. Yeah, yeah. So there's some calling here, too, to consider your neighbor, even if you have the means to buy out the whole aisle. Um, how can I consider my neighbor, even yeah. if something as simple as going about shopping at the grocery store? Looking at this, so how do we how do we love our neighbor today, and what are the the things and the ways in which we can love our neighbor? You know, is that um, through self quarantining or you know avoiding social uh, interaction, or is it through going out and grocery shopping for him? Is it buying food for the uh, the backpack program so that kids that aren't in school can have can have food? Um, number of different ways that we can be neighbor. And I think with this situation today, uh, and we call upon the people to to let us know, what ways do we need to be a neighbor today? Yeah, and that may be a confession of a sort that I need help. Mm -hmm. I need the help of my neighbor. I was not created to go it alone in this world. That kind of ties back to our our question from last week, I think, to how does knowing your future is in Christ's hands or tied to Jesus Christ, how does that shape your ability to consider your neighbor in all things?
One other question I would have at the conclusion, the last verse here is, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And this tied back to that previous question as well, but as you consider what you have to live on, what is it that you can trust is never going to go away or or run out? What do you genuinely have to live on? And how might you share that? Right, right. I remember hearing a stewardship program where this guy was talking about when he, I think he was an immigrant, came to the United States and had just a few dollars to his uh, name and went to a worship service and he stuck it all in the plate, stuck it all in the offering plate. And he said, through my life, I've gained a vast amount of wealth, you know, and uh, and I was truly blessed by God for, for giving up uh, what I what I had that day. And there was a little boy or a person in the front front row of that sermon or that speech that day, and he says, well, could you do it again? <laughs> yeah. Could you give it all mm. up? Wow. Profound. And, and it makes you step back and think. The more I have, the harder it is to... The harder it is to give it up. Yeah. I was thinking of the Lord's Prayer, too. We say that every week, and the prayer is... Give us this day our daily bread. You know, we don't pray. Give us today our monthly allotment of yeah. bread, and we're we're constantly saying that we are trusting God's going to be there tomorrow. Right, which really takes us back to the the Israelites' journey in the in the wilderness, where the manna came down every day. Yeah, and they had to trust that God was going to give them their food every day. They couldn't hoard it. They couldn't stockpile it or get full of worms. Yeah. It was like that toilet paper that vanishes quickly. It makes you wonder, how quickly does how it quickly? vanish? Yes. 